0: All right, welcome everyone to another Devo with Jamie and Patrick. We're glad that you are with us today and that we can understand a little bit more about each other and about the Bible. Uh, We are in the book of Colossians today. Patrick, what what chapter and verse are we in? We're going to start in Colossians chapter 2,
1: right from the top. We're going to go through uh, verses 1 through 7 this morning, checking out what... Scriptures are telling us, you know, every day and every scripture has something to tell us. And one thing I like to tell people when they're reading scripture is if you read a scripture and nothing stands out to you, try reading it again, read it and say every word, you know, God might be waiting to tell you what he wants to tell you. And sometimes if you read a scripture and it's like, I don't know what this is, it's not the right one for you. So God is leading you somewhere else, so never get discouraged when you read scripture. Sometimes it just won't yeah. resonate. I know it re- doesn't resonate with me sometimes, so I just have to keep
0: going. You know, keep reading, that pray about it. That's a great. That's a great point. There's like a persistence in scripture reading that's important. Yeah. Um. And some days too, like on the other side of that, some days you'll you'll open up the Bible, especially if you got in a habit of it. And you'll read a passage and you'll see something, it'll jump out at you and you're like, oh yeah, this is great. And then you might read another passage and it's the same thing. And it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a treasure hunt a little bit. (laughs) Uh, I I know I don't normally go out hunting for treasure, uh, but scripture can feel like that where you can have a season or a time where uh, you are just learning a whole lot and God might be speaking through scripture directly to you. I've been amazed, Patrick, at how many times... I'll read something in the morning, uh, a scripture passage in the morning, and it'll come in handy later on in the day. Huh. Like that exact passage. Like something will something will happen. I'm like, man, I really wish I had a verse about, and it'll pop back in my head that, oh yeah, I read that this morning. Wow. Um, I think God works through that, and the Holy Spirit works through that in us. And but like you said, it's it's not always going to happen like that. It's not always going to be something amazing and. Uh, But there's always fruit in reading the scripture. So yeah. without further ado, maybe we should read the scripture. Patrick, should I read it or do you want to read it today? I got it. I can do it. All
1: right. Here we go. Colossians 2, starting at verse 1. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthen in him or strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to
0: God. There it is Hey man there is a hard word in there. Um, laodicea is the way that people pronounce it a lot of the time but I think if you really get into it the uh, the the Greek word might actually not be sia but Kia like with a K kind of a sound but Laodicea. I have to double. Uh, lao, laodicea. Might be the might be the more of like if you wanted to get super Greek with it, but we're not Greek. We speak English, and uh, we have an English Bible that we read from, and so Laodicea is uh, is good enough for us, and that's what we'll go with. And I don't know modern day how that how that goes, but that's how we're doing it. So, but that is a location. Um, that's a that like is a location. Town. That is a place uh, in the Book of Revelation. That's a place that's mentioned as being lukewarm. Oh, um, yeah. What does that it's, mean? It's, uh, <laughs> It says they're lukewarm. They're neither hot nor cold. Therefore, and this is God speaking, therefore, I will spit you out of my mouth. Well, Kind of harsh words, right? So it's kind of, you know, you might have heard people use the term like being a lukewarm Christian. Um, And I kind of like that phrase because whenever I think about it, I have a buddy uh, who used to always say, you know, it's kind of like if if you're like looking to get into the hot tub and you go in and it's just lukewarm. It's like you're kind of like, eh. I'm, like, out of here. <laughs> um, like, it's not doing anyone any good being lukewarm. It's, like, either be a nice, cool, refreshing pool or be, like, super hot, yeah, um, scalding the way you're supposed to be. But if you're in the middle, it doesn't really help out that much. You know? Another <laughs> right. way to put it would be, like, you know, maybe someone's like, oh, I want a Coke. And someone else is like, oh, no, I want a uh I want a diet coke and so you're like, Well, I'll mix a Diet Coke and a Coke together. Well, you're just gonna make two people mad uh if you do that. Uh it's not gonna work, right? Right. Or or someone's like, I want a tall glass of water that's ice cold and someone else's like, I want hot tea and you're like, Well, let's mix them together so it's like room temp tea water. Oof. Nah, no one wants that. Yeah, no one wants gross. that. So that that's kind of the deal with with that particular church. But we are getting a little outside of what we're talking about today, which is Again, Colossians chapter two. Yeah, uh, Colossians is um, a letter that was written by Paul to the church, and uh, he's writing it to them um, and to to kind of set them on the right path. Uh, he he's and that's how, why Paul a lot of times he writes letters. as churches kind of go astray; they're they're thinking or their actions go a little bit outside of, of uh, where it should be. And Paul is trying to instruct them kind of in the way, like someone who really cares about you wants to instruct you. Yeah. Um, Pat, have you ever had someone who cared about you, like kind of give you some advice and maybe it might've felt harsh at first. And then later on it was like, no, actually they were trying to help me. Yeah. I,
1: I feel like you have before. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> I I can't Throwing me under the
0: bus. I can't think of a, I can't think of a specific example off the top of my head. Has anyone ever given you advice on like like a skill like surfing or? Oh you know, yeah, like don't don't wax the bottom side of your board. That's a or, good tip. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and or sometimes like people want to tell you something. Um, you know, I have a friend. Uh, I went out to talk to him. And he's like, Hey, I just want to give you a little advice on something. I'm like, Hey, what what what's up? He's like, Your breath smells really bad right now. Oh. You need like a mint or some gum. And at first I was like offended, you know. Yeah. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Like someone's like, Hey, you know, like <laughs> something's wrong. <laughs> and at first I was offended and then I was like, Oh wait, he actually cares about me. Right. Right. He's not just doing this to point out that there's something wrong with me. They're doing it because they want something that's better. Right. So, um, Anyway, so for that, that's kind of what Paul's doing with the churches. He's not saying like you guys are a bunch of sinners and I don't like you and you should go away. He's saying here's here's where you need to get better. Yeah. Here's where you're you're astray or gone astray a little bit, and we wanna we wanna help you out. You know, I I really want. I think it'd be really cool to
1: look at this passage. You know, it was written for a different church, but what if we looked at it this morning from a perspective of it's written to us you and me the uh, listeners what what about that i love that i think that's perfect let's let's, let's make this hit home a little it's easy to talk yeah. about it to someone else but you know there's some compelling things in here some good reminders so you know i'm going to read it as if i'm going to look at it study it with you as if it's written to me
0: yeah so the first line of it it's i want you to know And um, every time that we look at the word you in the Bible, the you there is, it's plural. So it's like, I want you all to know, it's not to one person, it's to the whole church. And I think that's one of those things that's that's pretty important for us to remember is that this is written to the entire church, not just to one person. I want you all to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. Um, And for all who have not, Met me personally, so he's contending now. I looked up the word for contending here because I thought that's kind of a weird, you know, contending. You think about the word contending or contentious, it means like to fight or to struggle. And the word that we have in the Greek is um, similar to the word like for agonize to agonize over something. So, Paul is saying, I want you to know how hard. I am con- I'm fighting for you. I'm agonizing over you and for this other church and for all the people who haven't met me. Um, he, he feels this. This is like a really sub- significant thing to him in his life, and he wants to make sure that the people know how much he really cares for them. And then he just gets right to it, verse 2, right? My goal is that they, uh, all the churches, may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is one of these classic Paul sentences that's like a super mega run on sentence. (laughs) Yeah. But what a. It's like just keeps going. But (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Pretty cool goal
1: though. Yeah. Like what a great message for people um, that are in ministry, you know, youth leaders, youth pastors, uh, that, yeah, that's like such, that's like a word straight to the pastors uh, everywhere, but it's to everyone. Um, but
0: what a good reminder. I mean, I look at this and I'm wondering, is there anyone out there who's like, yeah, Paul, we don't want this. Like, we don't want to be encouraged in our heart we don't want to be united in love. Like, nah, we'd rather be discouraged and grumpy (laughs) and we'd rather be fighting with each other. Um, and we don't want to know any of this full riches of understanding. Like, nah, I don't really want to know all about that church stuff. I'm good on my own. Um, I don't want to know the mystery of God or Christ. Uh, I don't need this treasure of wisdom and knowledge. Um, what's kind of cool is that you'll see in here there's encouragement, which is great. There's love uh, and unity. That's, that's great. And then he gets into this, like this thing about riches and wisdom and knowledge and understanding and mystery, uh, and things that are hidden. And I think there's a pursuit of knowledge that's out there, uh, in our community. I mean, it's still there today. We look at how many schools we have that are, that are, um, helping people to understand things better people want knowledge they want to pursue wisdom they want to not let mysteries remain mysteries but they want to understand them so if you think about you know the scientists that are trying to deal with it if you think about all the the folks um who just spend pretty much all their time just trying to gain wisdom that's huge there's a lot of people who are doing that yeah um And they're spending a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money on it. And so Paul is telling these people in this church, like, hey, I I want you to have this. I don't want to give you something that's, like, more mysterious. I want to actually give you the truth. I want you to be connected to Christ. I want you to know this mystery of God, which is namely Christ. So even inside of this big run-on sentence, Paul gives them the answer to the question. Right. Right. May you know the mystery of God, namely... Christ. Christ is the mystery of God. What I like about it
1: is that there's no, you don't have to put in work to get there. You know, he is offering all of this and all you have to do is listen, right? There's no test. There's no homework. There's no, (laughs) right. You don't have to run, run like a 5k. You don't have to cut, (laughs) cut when you're one of your fingers off or anything. He's he's just saying like, here's, (laughs) here it is. You know, God is here.
0: And I want you to have the complete understanding. Yeah. He's like, hey, you know, um, I want you guys to all know and have a complete understanding of God, but you're going to need a PhD in Christian philosophy or theology. And then maybe we're going to let you know that secret, secret mystery. Right. That's uh. That's there. Yeah. He's saying, no, if you want to know the mystery, know Christ. Right. Um And... and And that's you know there's a there's a simplicity to that, but then there's a paradox in that simplicity, and that is, fully knowing Christ, is not something that um, that is you can just like easily attain. Um, It's a free gift, and knowing Christ is a gift of God, and I mean that's the good news. That's what we we believe and what we preach is that right now you can know Christ, you can have the Holy Spirit, but. As we are, um, once we do know Christ, once we are justified by grace through faith, the next thing is we want to grow in that understanding and, and and grow in our in our um, the work that God started in us. And as we grow in that, getting to know Christ can be a lifelong process and a lifelong journey. Right. Um, to really get to know Christ, the cool thing is is that this is accessible to a child to, uh, someone who is, you know, uh, almost done with their life. It's in, ex- everyone in between, mm-hmm. you can know Christ. You don't, I mean, it's, you don't even need to be literate to know Christ. That's not a prerequisite to knowing Christ. Right. I don't know, uh, if you've ever been in classes, Patrick, where you had to have prerequisites. Um, you know, like for me in high school, it was well, if you want to be in auto shop two, you have to have taken auto shop one, right? Um, <laughs> or if you want to take uh algebra, you need to have taken pre algebra, or yep, and you had to kind of do that in order. And the thing that's super cool with knowing Christ is that there isn't a prerequisite, yeah, to knowing Christ, right? Exactly, uh, that's yeah. There's no prereqs. However, Christ is so amazing and is God, so that there's no there's no end of the depth of understanding we can go after. So, it's kind of a cool deal, uh, but it's also uh, it's also a little bit daunting at times to think about how much more can I know about about God. Yeah, but you know it's it's never
1: ending. How much more can you know? Uh, it's I don't know if anyone ever gets to the point where they say, yep. Okay. I am the expert. I know everything because I know that I'll never get there because God is always at work in my life. And man, we say this every episode, but I can't, I can't predict what God has next for me. Therefore I will never like say I am completely, I completely know hundred percent everything that there is about God. I just don't, I just don't know if that's possible, but that's so cool. Cause that means that I continue, I get to continue to grow deeper and deeper in relationship with him. And it's never because I feel like if I got to that point where it was, I was like, yep. Okay. I'm the master. The relationship would kind of be done. That wouldn't, yeah. that's discouraging to me. I like knowing that I, there's always going to be the mystery. There's all God, can always pull out something new. Like you can read the whole Bible. You can read the whole Bible hundreds of times, but you still probably
0: wouldn't know God fully be the, the, the expert. Yeah. And it's, it is pretty incredible. I once spent, um, it was about a month. I read Matthew chapter five, uh, which is the beginning of the sermon on the Mount. I read it every day for a month. Wow. And I read, I don't know how much of it I read. I think I might've read the whole chapter, Um, and I just kept going back to it and kept going back to it and kept going back to it and kept going back to it. And, um, I thought maybe I would get bored. I thought maybe I would lose interest. I thought maybe I would, you know, know everything there was to know and, and not go back to it, but I kept going back to it. And there were things that were still mysterious in it to me. Uh, and there were new understandings of it because God works, uh, through scripture that way. Um, scripture tells us that, that it's, uh, all scripture is god breathed and it's useful um we also know the word of god is living and active uh and that, that's kind of a crazy thing if it's alive and active uh that means that it it moves yeah um that it's not a static document and so in the way we interact with scripture we have to bring our living breathing selves to the living breathing uh scripture and when we approach god it's it's the same way god is alive um, not just an idea that sits in a book. Um, God is living. So this is cool. So we we got through, yeah, through verse three here. But verse four, Paul tells us, he says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. Sounds like he's saying, don't debate with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it it is funny. And I know a lot of folks, um, you know, I was talking with some people the other day about this. There's always someone who, who says, "Hey, I, you know, I, I know the truth. <laughs> I've got the truth figured out. I know it. I got it. Let me educate you." And they may have a pretty fine-sounding argument, and that fine-sounding argument may actually start to sway you. You're like, "Oh man, that actually kind of that actually kind of makes sense. Okay, that like I can get with that logic." Right. And uh, what Paul is saying is, just because the argument sounds good doesn't mean it's truth and, and that's important I think for us to know uh, and for Christians to know is, is some people will go their whole lives and they'll never think about their faith very deeply it'll, it'll stay surface level hmm. and they'll say oh yeah I like Jesus Jesus is cool um, or I like helping people out that's cool But they'll never dig deeper into any of the mysteries of knowing God, namely Christ, right? Like like Paul says. And so what will happen is you'll get into maybe college or into philosophy or you'll meet someone and they'll say, oh, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. Here's a really good argument. And the argument that they hear is a good argument. It sounds like a great argument. And so they'll be swayed to thinking something that may not be true. And so typically there's kind of a good test for that. In uh, one of the tests that, that is, is kind of crucial, and Paul says it here, right? If it is doing anything to lessen God, meaning lessen Christ. Uh, so, for instance, if you hear arguments that say, oh, no, Jesus isn't God. Uh, or Jesus is less, uh, is an angel, but not God. Or Jesus didn't really exist, but God is a good idea. Um, or I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in Christ. Um, Jesus wasn't a real person or Jesus wasn't resurrected. If you start to hear arguments that are are kind of like alluding to that, you're pretty sure off that you're just hearing someone uh, who's giving an argument that that isn't true. It's not truth. The truth is, is that Jesus is God, that Jesus did die and was raised and that is and is with God today. Uh, This is like the foundational piece of Christianity. And so keeping your eyes to those arguments, like or keeping your ears and listening, um, I think it's okay to listen, but here Paul's telling us, um, he's telling us that, hey, Christ is this full mystery and you can have that understanding. You don't need to a special uh, amount of wisdom. You don't need to buy a special book, uh, you, right? You don't need to like drink a special tea or something. Uh, you don't need that. Um, Christ is the answer, right? And so He's making sure that's going to keep you on track. Now there are some other things where you might get you know pulled to the side one way or the other when we talk about Jesus. Uh, but in general, man, if Jesus Christ is Lord, that's a great check. That's a great smell test on on <laughs> theology and fine sounding arguments.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely because. You know, so there are some people that might challenge that, and but it might be f- because of things that are, you know, out of their control. Maybe they they got in an argument with someone at church, and now they're like, well, that God can't be real because I got an argument at church. Or, you know, they weren't able to go on some trip because they had sports, and like, well, God didn't let me do both, so therefore God might not be real. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that can happen too, but, you know, he's... Paul's kind of saying, don't let those people rub you the wrong way too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And again, the beginning of this letter, right? He wants you to be encouraged and united. Um, and that's another good way to check. If you're having arguments with people and it's discouraging and you are um not being united but being torn apart, uh that that's kind of a good indicator that perhaps um you're maybe getting into an argument that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> And I have to tell you, having, you know, read some philosophy, um, there are some things that seem to make a lot of sense. There's some arguments that really uh, make a lot of sense. And some of them may not lead you towards God. They may lead you in a different direction. Um, and, and so I think what's important is it's okay to understand those, those arguments. That's fine. I think the problem is when you start to put your faith in the arguments themselves, uh, and how fine they sound, rather than uh, your faith in Jesus. Yeah. So there's this one. Um, uh, there's there's a book about how to read the Bible. It's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Um, Gordon Fee uh, is one of the co-authors on that. Fantastic book. If you if you really want to dig into Scripture and understand it, this book kind of gives you some basic principles. And one of the basic principles, I don't want to quote it word for word because I don't have it in front of me, but but one of the ideas is that if something just seems like kind of novel and fine sounding and, um, and kind of like neat, if it just kind of sounds neat, um, usually that is a trick, right? So some people mm-hmm. have some crazy arguments in scripture and they're like, oh, you know, I came up with this and they'll come up with like the Da Vinci Code or... Um, you know something that kind of sounds fun and exciting and neat and and maybe even scandalous and and people get excited about it uh, but what happens is t- typically when you read scripture and you want to understand it kind of the basic idea like the the basic most kind of common sense idea tends to be the one that's that's kind of the most accurate and and again there are times where that may not happen because something maybe was translated poorly or or, um, there's been some conflicting thought on it, or it's a passage that just stands by itself. And there's other passages that say something different, but for the most part, that's a really good rule to follow. So if you hear someone who comes up with a fine sounding argument about maybe Jesus not existing or, uh, or maybe, you know, Jesus was just a prophet, but wasn't God. Um, you know, looking to scripture and look at what scripture says and scripture will tell you something, something different than that fine sounding argument. Yeah. Um, so just because something sounds fine, doesn't mean it's true. Um, Paul reminds us, right. He says, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So, this is kind of a creepy thing that Paul does. I don't think this is the only place he does this. <laughs> Paul kind of is like, "I know." <laughs> he kind of gives the "I know what you're thinking," <laughs> or "I know what you're doing." It's kind of the it's kind of like the Santa. I see you when you're sleeping. I know when you're awake, right? Yeah. <laughs> he kind of is pulling a little bit of that here, <laughs> right? Um, and then he he kind of throws in like, "And I'm going to be so excited to see all your discipline." And how firm your faith is, um, you know, there's two (laughs) ways of looking at this. One is Paul is like kind of trying to gently coerce them to be more disciplined and to be firmer in their faith. That's kind of one thought. The other thought would be is that they are disciplined um, uh, and that they do have a firm faith, and he's, he's affirming them in that. Either way, I think the message is clear. Being disciplined in your faith, actually having some discipline in it, Um, and being resolved in your faith are good things. And then he, he gives like three practical
1: ways to be disciplined in your faith. Just immediately after that in verse six, continue to live your lives in him, continue to live your lives in Christ, Hmm. be rooted and built up in Christ, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. That's like such a good reminder, uh, and it's a discipline thing because there's times where I kind of take Christ for granted. It's like, Oh, oh yeah, God, God's taking care of me. But this is kind of saying, you know, you, you need to practice your faith as if it was still day one, you know, don't let it get yeah. stagnant because I get into the routines of, you know, okay, read the Bible, pray, do some message writing, do some work, that's it. Mm -hmm. But you gotta, Mm -hmm. you still gotta shake it up because, you know, day one Christian me, uh, probably wasn't like that. You know, it's like, wow, in scripture, a lot studying, like Googling stuff, you know, singing scripture, uh, singing, uh, songs on my own, worshiping on my own. It's like, we need to continue to have that day one childlike faith. And that is kind of a discipline. And all those things sound so good. It's so weird to say, I think discipline is something that's hard or, or difficult, but You know, discipline is in this, like this is an exciting discipline to practice and something that I know for me, I don't do it enough.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing too, once you, once you get into it and you start to do it, you want to do it more. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, when we think about being rooted and I love that word rooted and built up in him, strengthened by the faith. Um, when we're rooted in Christ, uh, It it helps in the times when we're weak because, you know, even like if you think about a tree, a lot of trees, they'll lose all their leaves in the winter Um, and then rains might come and and wash away some of the soil Uh, and the tree might look really weak and not strong, but its roots are still in the ground. Right. And it's still set. And even trees that can look like they're almost completely dead or bushes, too, that have really strong root systems, they can come back because they're rooted in that. And so sometimes when we're weak, um, our being rooted in our foundation in Christ is what keeps us going, uh, even when we're at our weakest point. Um, So some of us think like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll break out my Bible and read and and I'll— I'll do a devotion or I'll pray when I need God and when I'm at my weakest. Um, and I think what Paul is saying here is like, don't, you don't really need to wait for that. You know, be strengthened now so that when you're weak, you're going to be prepared for this. And I think that the tree analogy is so good, right?
1: Like yeah, trees are sure. growing when trees start growing and do a lot of their growth when the the water and the air and the sun is optimal and then they're big and strong. So when the big storm comes, they won't get knocked over. But you know, us as trees, if we grow, you know, until like we're standing, we're tall and we're like, okay, great. But, and then we stop. When the storm comes, we're just going to blow away. It's the yeah, same idea. That's right.
0: Yeah, no. So, I mean, so the, the interesting part about this is that an idea a philosophy, a way of thinking can hold you captive. Yeah. And I think that's true. You know, I think if, if your mind, sometimes you can open up your mind to philosophies that are just not true um, and they can kind of get in there and hold you captive to it. And that's the thing that you want to be connected to. Um, in our town, there's a particular, I won't mention it by name, but there's a particular style of faith Um, that is, I would consider it not, you know, I think if you really want to look at it, you might call it sort of a cult a little bit, but, but not necessarily. Um, but a lot of the philosophy in it that holds people's people captive, especially people who are in high school is it kind of is this, everything's okay philosophy. And the philosophy is, you know, you you, really all religions are about the same and you can just kind of like pull them all together. And it's all about love or it's all about goodness or it's all about and and that philosophy is very addictive to people because it makes it so they don't have to judge any other religions right it's like oh yeah it's all good everything's good uh there's a lot of logical problems with that if you're into philosophy you can probably figure that out where that doesn't quite work out all that well However, I've seen that thinking take my friends, even in high school, captive. They've been held captive to that thinking. Um, And there's something good in that thinking of loving people and not being judgmental. There's a lot of Christianity, uh, ideas in Christianity that are similar, right? So John 3.17 is God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Um, And we're actually told not to judge. Um, But there is this other philosophy that just says no one will be judged. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. It's all good. And that can hold on to people and they can't let go of it. Um, and so I think Paul is warning, don't, don't uh, fall into this. We we learned earlier today that there was this thing called Gnosticism that was happening in this time. And p- perhaps that had something to do with this. I think that's a pretty accurate thing to look at. We don't need to get into all the Gnosticism stuff, but basically any philosophy out there that that is holding you captive and is not about Christ, that's a problem. So don't lean into that. You know, lean into the mystery of God.
1: That's like yeah, all, that's sure. all you need to have uh, a life where you're rooted and built in Him, strengthened by faith and the mystery of Him. And you have to remember to be overflowing with thankfulness towards Him as well.